We're going to finish this morning uh, the last in our uh, series on the work of the Holy Spirit. And um, what we're going to be talking about today is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Um, we have been looking, I'm not going to go through all the, um, the stuff that we did last time on the introduction, but we have been looking at, at the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is basically the part of the Trinity, uh, the one member of the Trinity that is uh, 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 in this world working in this world tangibly the work of the holy spirit is to manifest the active presence of god in the world especially in the church but also through the church so um in the, in what specific ways has the holy spirit have we touched on in the last few weeks we've touched on how the holy spirit indwells us uh reading a good book uh just to remind yes we'll get into that just to remind us is that the Jesus, now this, is, this may surprise you, and it's not heresy, wait till I finish. We as a church celebrate the cross, and we should celebrate the cross. But Jesus didn't just come to earth just to die on a cross and leave it there. He came to earth and died on a cross that we might receive the Holy Spirit. All of it was a work so that God could live and dwell within his people once again. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, the presence of God and man were separated. Jesus came to reconcile us that God may once again dwell in and with man. Right? So the Holy Spirit indwells us. And maybe this has to deal with the vision, that little, little thing that I saw, is that the Holy Spirit also purifies us. Right? So one of the things that we learned on Wednesday is that God doesn't just want to convert people. God wants to bring the ways of the kingdom into manifestation in our lives. But you can be a convert and still live like you're in the world. So it's not about just being a convert. It's about learning to live for God. And in order to live for God, you've got to submit yourself to the Lord. You've got to submit your body. You've got to submit your mind. You've got to submit your tongue to the Lord and do things his way, right? When we start to live for him, then all of a sudden the ways of the kingdom become manifest in our lives, through our lives, as we bring his culture into this world, right? A lot of people don't like the church because they say the church are a bunch of hypocrites, and I agree with you. Not all of us and I'm not just talking about this church, I'm just talking about not all people are hypocrites, but the reality is if our understanding is I go to church, I get saved so I can go to heaven, and then I don't live for God in the way that God wants me to live, in a way we're being hypocritical. Amen. It's not the purpose of God. The purpose of God is that we might be holy. We might be a reflection of who he is. Well, I've never seen Jesus. Well, it should be that somebody, when they see you, they should see somewhat of what Jesus is like. Well, no, I don't want anybody looking at me, but God wants people looking at you. As Jesus was the visible manifestation of the Father, we are supposed to be the visible manifestation of Christ. He is the head, we are the body. Amen? The Holy Spirit purifies. The third thing we looked at is the Holy Spirit unifies, brings us together. Black, white, young, old, uh, 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 female, male, uh, it brings us rich, poor, all of us become unified in Christ. 
all these distinctions that have separated us, uh, we're not saying that they're not there, but they take a back seat toward who we are in Christ. We are now one blood, one family in Christ. The other thing we looked at is the Holy Spirit in the fields. God doesn't expect us to do the work that he's given us to do without the uh, empowerment of God to be able to do these things. He said, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. Well, I don't know how I'm going to do that. Well, that's, I'm glad you brought that up. He said, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father from on high. You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Who was he talking to? The people that had already been saved. But he's saying, you need more than just salvation. Now, that sounds bad, because the reality is, the truth is, if you've say, you're saved and that's all you have, we're not going to say that that's not enough. But Jesus himself said, do not leave Jerusalem until you have received uh, uh, the power from on high. You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Holy Spirit's in you, but you need the Holy Spirit to come upon you that you may be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the innermost parts of the earth. Well, what does that look like? Well, we, we talked about that. When you get saved, uh, Jesus, uh, uh, what happened on the day of Pentecost to those that were saved, the Spirit of God was poured out. They began to receive that baptism in the Holy Spirit. It was evidenced by the fact that they were speaking in an unknown language. He said, what does that look like? We had an example of that here this morning. Someone had an utterance in a language that none of us understood, and then God gave someone the interpretation for that. Amen? So that is the normal Christian experience. It's become the unnormal Christian experience in our evangelical ways of thinking today, our logical ways of thinking. We've, we've learned how to live the Christian life without the power. My personal opinion, I'm not speaking for anybody else other than what I read and what I see. God never intended us to live the Christian life without power. How do you receive that power? You're going to receive the Holy Spirit in your life. If you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life, I want you to know it's a promise for you. For those that were there, it's a promise for you. For your children, for all who are far off, it's a promise for all of us. You can receive that today. The last thing we started two weeks ago is the Holy Spirit empowers. As we began to look at that, one of the things that we realized is that how does he empower us and this is where we're going to start here this morning. But okay, so let me also tell you what's going to happen today. I believe, I believe this is what's going to happen. I, I'm going to teach you a little bit on the vocal gifts. We're going to get into that in a minute. Uh, the last two weeks, I've talked about the power gifts. I've talked about the, uh, um, the revela revelation gifts, and I've given you some examples from the Bible. I believe that today we're going to have some uh, visible demonstrations, even though we've already had some today, I believe that once I talk about the tongues and interpretation of tongues, God's going to give us a tongue and interpretation of tongue. And I believe that after we talk about prophecy, God's going to give us a prophecy as well. So you're not just going to read it from the Bible. You're going to see a demonstration here today. Amen? So I'm just declaring that by faith. God didn't tell me that. I just have a, I just have a feeling. All right. Anyway, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is a curse, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. 
There are varieties of service for the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues, all of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now the reason for titling this the Holy Spirit empowers is because the Greek word for the gifts of the Spirit is the word charismata. This comes from the word charis, which is translated as grace, which we looked at on Wednesday. For those of y'all that don't come on Wednesday, I will tell you that sometimes Wednesdays is some of the most profound teaching that God gives me. I'm just telling you, all right? I went back and listened to it on Wednesday. And I said, who was that? That was good. <laughs> I don't know how I did that. I, did, I don't know where that came from. I remember where I came from, and when I listened to that, I go, ah, uh, that wasn't me, you know? Now, obviously, it was me. I take, I take responsibility when I say something I shouldn't say, but it was just, I, I, it was good. It was really, really good. So, and uh, so I want that's a plug for you to come on Wednesdays if you don't come on Wednesdays. So um, grace is the empowering presence of God, and we're not going to get into all of that. I just want you to know that biblically grace is more than just receiving something we didn't deserve. Grace is actually the empowering presence of God. So when we're talking about the spiritual gifts, what then we are addressing is the, we could title it, the empowerments of the Holy Spirit that are given to the church to empower them to accomplish the work that we have been given to do. Now, a couple of things that we read in this text I just want to you know, remind you of is that God does not want us to be uninformed of spiritual gifts. Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't want. No, he wants us to know what they're about. He wants us to know what, he doesn't want us to be ignorant, all right? Nobody wants to be ignorant, but God is saying, I don't want you to be ignorant of the spiritual gifts. All right? Also, spiritual gifts will exalt Jesus, not ourselves. All right? No, no, I got to. There are some people, man, they want to move in the Spirit. It hadn't happened very much here, but they, it was, it's about them. I want you to see how spiritual I am. I want you to see how God used me. No, it's not about you. It's about uh, 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 what God is doing through you for, because spiritual gifts are for the common good, for everyone's good. Amen? So Paul was making the distinction here that the gifts of the Spirit aren't gifts in the sense that the believer owns and operates the gift whenever he wants to. They are gifts of the Holy Spirit manifested through individual believers as the Spirit of God wills. The gifts of the Spirit aren't just given for the individual, but they are given in order to profit the whole local assembly or local body of believers. These gifts, Paul describes, can be differentiated into three different categories. We've looked at the revelation gifts. Those are gifts that reveal something. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, distinguishing or discerning of spirits. Then we looked at the power gifts. Those are gifts that do something. The gift of faith, the working of miracles, the gifts of healings. Now, how many of y'all understand? We can see that these are for the common good. If the gifts of healings aren't functioning, then the body is going to, going to uh, be more sick than it needs to be. Very practical example, right? If the gifts of healings are activated and functioning in the body, then the body should benefit from that. How is it going to benefit when he, people get healed? 
And what happens when people get healed? They're no longer sick. <laughs> it's very simple. It's not, it's not rocket science, right? And so if the gifts of healings aren't functioning, then that means that the body is suffering. So God doesn't want the body to suffer, so he releases these gifts. I'm looking at one, but they're all the same way. He releases these gifts for the common good, for the common welfare, for the benefit of all. Amen? That's why we need the gifts to function in our body. Today we want to look at the vocal gifts, and these are gifts that say something. We're going to be looking at various kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. So the vocal gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, 8, and then verse 10, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between gifts, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. So in this uh, text, these texts, what we have is we have the gift of tongues, we have the gift of the interpretation of tongues, and we have the gift of prophecy. I will state right away that there is a difference between a, a prophetic gift and a prophetic office. We're not talking about a prophetic office today. We're talking about a prophetic gift. A prophetic office is an individual that is graced with uh, the, the um, empowerment of of prof, uh, a prophet. He's, he's in the office of a prophet, and in the office of a prophet, he is given to the church to help activate the prophetic in the church. The gift of prophecy is available to all as the Spirit of God wills, and it's for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Okay? So we'll get into that here in a minute. So the first one we're going to look at is the gift of tongues. The speaking with other tongues is a supernatural experience which characterizes the Pentecostal movement of today all over the world. Now, a lot of people, we, we, I don't have a problem using the word Pentecostal, but a lot of people do have the problem with the word Pentecostal because when they think of Pentecostal, they think of a particular denomination where they don't wear makeup, they don't wear pants. We're talking about the ladies. Uh, the men don't wear makeup either. I just, just throw that in there. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, they don't, they don't uh, the ladies don't cut their here. He said, well, I don't want any of that. I don't believe God wants us or any of his Pentecostals to have any of that either. That's not what makes you Pentecostal. What makes you Pentecostal, what is the word Pentecostal? The root is Acts chapter 2, where on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God was poured out upon his people. And when he was poured out upon his people, the empowerment of God, the power of God was released. The empowerments of God are activated. And so Pentecostal means people that are flowing in. Uh, first of all, they believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of God, but they also flow in the gifts of the Spirit. That's what the word Pentecostal means. So we're a Pentecostal church, but you'll see here that there are men that don't wear makeup and women that do. <laughs> The men cut their hair and women cut their hair as well, right? Uh, men wear pants, women wear pants, all right? We're just glad they're wearing something. All right. So anyway, let's keep moving on. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. <laughs> all right. So it is a uh, various kinds of tongues is supernatural utterance by the Holy Spirit and languages never learned by the speaker, all right? Nor understood by the speaker, nor necessarily always understood by the hearer. Uh, 
So speaking with tongues has nothing whatsoever to do with linguistic ability. It has nothing to do with the mind or the intellect of man. It is a vocal miracle of the Holy Spirit. In addition to praying in tongues in one's individual's prayer life, it is also true that there is a public side to speaking in tongues. Paul said that not everyone would be used in what we call the public ministry of tongues, for he said in 1 Corinthians 12 and 30, do all speak in tongues? The obvious answer to that is no, not because everyone cannot receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, but because in this particular verse, Paul is talking about the public ministry of tongues in the church that should always be accompanied by uh, 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 the interpretation of tongues. Not everyone in a public setting is going to get the public Uh, uh, um, empowerment to speak in a tongue that should be accompanied by an interpretation. We can all speak in tongues individually. The Bible says, uh, build up your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. So you can pray in the Holy Spirit uh, through the gift of tongues, uh, and you can build up your holy faith. You should do that. We should. uh, The the Bible says the Spirit of God intercedes through you with groans and utterance such as you cannot understand. So when you don't know what to pray, pray in tongues. Right? But in a church service, now, we're not talking about worshiping. When we worship, you can worship in your heavenly language, whatever the case may be. But what was happening in the book of, of, uh, of 1 Corinthians, what was happening in the church of Corinth, is people were walking around, uh, uh, and, and they would get up in the pulpit and just start preaching in tongues and talking in tongues, and other people would get up and talk in tongues, and nobody knew what anybody was talking about. And Paul said, that ain't, that ain't right. Maybe you've been in one of those kind of church services. I don't know. Paul is saying there's got to be some order in the church, right? As the Spirit of God moves, anybody can be used in this gift, right? But not everybody will be used in this gift, but anybody can be used in this gift, but what is the purpose of it? And so that's the context of this here. The church is edified when someone speaks with other tongues in the public assembly, and there is an interpretation, Right? Now, there's a difference between a translation and an interpretation. Okay? A translation is like a word for word uh, from one language to another as best as possible. An interpretation is what's the gist? What is the idea? And so sometimes you can have a real short message in tongues and a real long interpretation and you think to yourself that ain't what it is and that's because you're thinking about a translation not an interpretation or you can have a really long message in tongues and a very short interpretation and you're thinking that ain't right <laughs> I just blessed that that's good don't hold that back let it out praise the Lord praise the Lord God's going to move this morning one of the ways he works is through laughter and we, just, we bless that uh, you don't have to hold that in all right? You can hold the boogers in, but you don't have to hold the laughter in. Yes, I'm, I'm making them on. Yeah, okay. Anyway, so Paul plainly stated that to prophesy, which is the equivalent of tongues and interpretation, is to speak unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. Paul also said that the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets. He's not saying that they're better people. What he's saying is that the gift uh, uh, has a greater uh, uh, ability to 
edify, to comfort, exhort people. Prophecy does then then just tongues because when people hear tongues, they don't understand. However, if you have tongues and interpretation, it's not less. The two together are equivalent to a prophetic word because they benefit, exhort the body. Am I making sense to you? So it's kind of like tongues and interpretation of tongues together, let's just say they make up a $10 together. Each one individually, uh, a, a, a prophecy, let's just say, is $10. You have a tongue that's, and this is a very rudimentary, and it may not even make sense, but it's like, that's $5, but if you add the interpretation of tongues with it, then you have $10, and they're equivalent to one another. Am I making sense to you? Okay? So, Paul was saying that if someone interprets when he gives forth in tongues, then the one who prophesies is not greater than the one who gives forth the tongue and interpretation. Paul was also saying in this passage that tongues with interpretation is equivalent to prophecy. So then you have the gift of interpretation of tongues. So the, 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 the person that stands up empowered by the Holy Spirit and gives a, a tongue, a an unknown uh, message in an unknown language, unknown to the person, and more than likely unknown to the body, although there have been instances where somebody gets up and, and talks or speaks in an unknown tongue, and there's someone in that body that knows what they're saying, even though the person that is saying it, they have no clue what they're saying. That has happened before, right? hasn't happened here that I know of, but it has happened before. So the interpretation of tongues is also a supernatural endowment of God showing forth by the Spirit the meaning of an utterance in an, in, in a, in an unknown tongue. Also, it's not translation of tongues, it's the interpretation of tongues. The gift of interpretation of tongues depends on another gift, various kinds of tongues, in order to operate. It does not operate unless tongues have been in operation. The purpose of the gift of interpretation of tongues is to render the gift of tongues understandable to the hearers so that the whole church congregation, as well as the one who gave the utterance in an unknown tongue, may know what has been said and may be edified thereby. So what I'm trying to get you to understand is that God wants to say something. How is he going to say it? Through the empowerments of the Spirit. God wants to say something, and the Spirit of God comes on someone to stand up. Uh, um, they might not stand up, but to, to, to begin to speak in an unknown language. When, when I first uh, got saved, the Lord would use me in this. And actually, when it first started, I felt like an o- overwhelming presence came on me to just say a, a tongue really loud. Okay. Now, as I began to grow accustomed to using in that, God doesn't use me that very much anymore, but it, it, it wasn't as strong. And the reason it wasn't as strong is because it didn't need to be as strong. God could just speak to me, whisper to me, and I knew, I knew what to do, and that's how God works with us. Now, when I first began to feel it, I began to feel like it was so strong, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, 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 contain it. I had to do something. But the Bible says that the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. So you may feel that way, but I promise you, you can't hold it. Because either God's word is true or it's not. And sometimes we want to elevate our feelings above God's word, and we can never do that. We don't subject God's word to our feelings. We subject our feelings to God's word. Right? 
And so even though you may have this overwhelming sense, if you want a problem, you say, I got a tongue or interpretation, a, tongue, a, a message in tongues, and I say, no, it's not appropriate at this time. Hold on to it. Don't get mad. Because the same spirit that's moving on you to, to speak in tongues is, is moving on me to say this is at the right time. Right? And so we have to learn how to allow it. Because I've had people get mad before when they say, well, you didn't let me speak in tongues. You didn't let me do this. You didn't let me do that. The spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophet. I have to do it. I have to say something. No, you don't. No matter how strong you feel like you have to, you do not. The spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. Right? We have the ability to say uh, we need to hold on to that. Okay? So, now... And then once we have a, a message in tongues, that's why we always say God always has an interpretation. Now, sometimes we have to wait a little bit because people are uncomfortable. I've had people come up and tell me, I, you know, I knew I had something. I just was afraid. I was scared. That's okay. You know, we're going to give you time, give, give you opportunity. But it's not like if it doesn't have an interpretation, it doesn't mean that God doesn't have an interpretation. It just means that some people aren't always willing to give that interpretation for fear or concern or I'm not sure if this is God, those kind of things, okay? And that happens. But almost always when you have a gift of tongues, you have a gift of interpretation of tongues. Now, that being said, I want to pray that God will just release that in our congregation. We know that it's working. We know it's functioning because people do have that, but we want other people to be activated in that gift, okay? All right, so Lord, I thank you for the empowerments of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, for the vocal gifts. I thank you for the ones that you've given to us, but you said all are available, Lord, all, and it can, it can become to anyone as the Spirit of God wills, and so in the name of Jesus, I activate this gift, that this gift be imparted to others in our body, Lord, that they too might be used in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you, God. We agree together, and everybody said, amen. amen.